0: Welcome to the Landco Podcast. This is the year-round waterfowl hunter series, where we dissect the monthly activities of a successful waterfowl hunter. I'm your host and managing partner at Landco, John O'Reilly. Hey guys, welcome back to the Landco Podcast, the year-round waterfowl hunter here with Jody Graff. And so usually we like chat for a few minutes before the... um, before we start, but we always talk about stuff that like, I'm like, you know what, let's stop. Let's let's talk about that once we get going. So we have literally uh, no plans for this episode other than to tell you kind of what, we, what we've been doing the last month. It is, uh, we're into May now, um, which has happened the last few months, but we're talking about April. So um, I know on my end it was busy. I'm anticipating it was the same on Jody's end. So give me the like brief rundown and then we'll we'll get into detail because i have some pictures from you so we can talk about that stuff but give me kind of a brief rundown of april
1: so uh, this is the beginning of the race i mean we are we're in the thick of it here now um we're planting we're drawing down wetlands we're fighting beavers and and like this is where the rubber meets the road and you don't always have to be the best property around you gotta be better than the neighbor and so this is where this is where we're getting in the trenches and and you know really I mean we had 84 hours last week in six days and it's just we got wow. guys running around all over the place working on different projects at different times and uh it it it's a race to it, it is yeah. a
0: race and, and when you say uh you need to be better than your neighbors. At this point in the year, that's getting in food, right? That's what you're talking about, which yes. can be a challenge. How's it been for you guys? It's actually been fairly decent over here.
1: It, it's been all right. Um, we've had rain uh, and not a lot of rain, but enough to slow you down a couple days a week, three, four days a week, you know, you can't work. But, um, you, you know, what we're trying to do right now is drain quicker. We're running ditches We're, uh, I mean, last week, after the rain, I spent half a day running the ranger tires down the ditches in the fields to try to get the water off a little bit quicker uh, because I knew we were going to plant you know right after it dried up, and so you know we were the first ones in that bottom, and yeah. so we're just you know it's highly competitive right now, and trying to trying to get a leg up on you know the, the other guys around is is the key right now
0: it's exhausting what it is, but <laughs> can we take a break and talk about my hatred of beavers since you brought it up? <laughs> because, okay. So let me explain what Jody you know means and what, what I mean when we're talking about our hatred of beavers. So like we need dry fields to plant, like not an inch of water, not wet soils it has to be dry. So at least on my end, like we need to be dry for what would you say? Um, like when you drain a wetland, how long do you need to
1: have water completely off it to plant? A week? 10 days? A week or 10 days. You know, if we got some heat and some good drying days, sometimes yep. less. So
0: here's where beavers on my end, and I'm sure everyone's in, can be infuriating. is because you have it and it's dry and you get a little rain and you go there the next day and you have an inch of water out there. Uh-huh. And an inch of water sets you back like another seven to 10 days. Yeah. So this month went well for beavers. So we actually got, I don't know if you've done this. (laughs) We got a, uh, we got a nuisance permit and this is just on my personal farm. Most of our other clients' farms were, were, um, we have a better handle on them. Unfortunately, like my farm, you know, I take care of my clients first and then we go back to our farm. So but we got a nuisance permit. This is, this is only 120 acres, mind you. Let me pull up some of these pictures. Um, again, you can't see these, but uh, here's my son. We got three on one area set. We ended up getting 12 beavers in two weeks. Whoa. 12 beavers in two weeks, one with 65 pounds. Mm-hmm. Gosh, now I have to get those back. Um I'm going to switch as, but so we set them for, uh, 12 days. I thought they were gone and he got out of there and literally within two or three days of those traps being gone, we have new beavers. It's unreal. Yeah. This dude caught five in one location. Like I always thought they were so like territorial. He caught five in one location in two weeks. And there's one back there now, yeah. but that's
1: well, just just, man, just like everything else with our deer and turkeys and ducks, they're going to go to the best opportunity to thrive. And a lot of these wetlands, we've made it really easy for them to back water up.
0: Yeah. Cause they're little channels. A lot of these are channels. Yeah. They plug up like an eight foot channel. And uh, yeah. the problem is, you tear it down the next day, it's like a foot taller. When you tear it down <laughs> the next day, it's like a foot taller. It's yeah, infuriating. But uh, I was just excited about my 12 beaver. So I had to plug that real quick. Yeah, man, that's a great run. Yeah. Um, but it's actually worse. Well, you guys, a lot of our stuff is sloped. So like raising it a couple, three or four inches only affects, you know, maybe 20, 30 foot of planting area. Um, not all of our stuff, but your stuff is flat over there, right? Like mm-hmm. your river bottom, like it, an inch or two of water on your stuff could cover half of the field.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we, we were in a spot last week where we we're trying to get the water off so we can start a big levee repair project, and man, they had the they had their dam up. I don't know, it, it was holding back a foot of water, but it held back a foot of water on 100 acres, oh. and and so it. It makes it hard to get that stuff dried out, so we can get in there and start borrowing dirt to put in the levee. And we spent we spent three days down there digging it out, and we had somebody there every night. And at eight fifteen or eight thirty, you know, we were shooting on a night, and it, we can't keep up with them. Yeah. So I mean, we're working off site in a different location. I got one of the boys running over there every morning and cleaning the beaver dams back out, and then. Somebody's sitting there in the evenings, <laughs> and I, I mean, it's just—it's daunting. It's never ending.
0: Yeah, it's never ending. Yeah, um, but for the where we're at, once we get past the rains, they still do it, but it's not—it's not as big a deal because you're dry and you know it's not backing water up fast. So uh-huh. it's the worst. I'm not like excusing it, but within what a month, it won't be quite as big as of a worry. Yeah. Well, oh, awful, but um, we're ahead of them. It sounds like you are ahead of them so, what have you got in? What have you planted? Um, uh,
1: we've got a lot of corn in. um you know, I've got a few deer farms that you know we're putting in corn on the hills. um We planted some corn in the bottom uh last week and and we got a bunch of sunflowers in so and you know it's obviously for dove hunting, but a yeah. lot of these clubs, man, you know. They're looking for something to do in September. Everybody's a little itchy. And so by throwing out some sunflower plots and having teal water ready, we can kind of get those guys in there in September knocking the rust off. And-
0: oh, for sure. It's a, it's a good practice. It's I, Dove hunting, I like waterfowl way better. but If I could only pick one day, a lot of times it's a dove opener. It's just it's a blast, man. Yeah. It's so fun. Have you guys ever run into um, – want to ask this the right way so you don't answer it if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say what's happened to us, and you can tell us your take. Um, the club that I bought like four or five years ago, and the farm that I have, since we're kind of in the public eye, um, we were told approached and told by the DNR that we could not early goose season hunt or early teal hunt because we had um, mowed sunflowers on our property That's to true. Um, the dove hunt.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I was like, dude, I haven't seen a duck or a goose eat a sunflower seed my whole life. And he was like, me neither. It's just a rule,
1: right? So uh-huh. it's it, it's manipulated. Yeah, and and I I get it. And and I've talked to usually my first call. You know, if I have something questionable, I'm going to call the conservation agent and get yes. his perspective on it. And you know there may be some flexibility in there, but uh we we've got a farm that you know three hundred yards away from the wetland, we've got a hilltop that we mow sunflowers on and and then we'll broadcast wheat and you know stuff yeah. like that you know as a rotation, and we we can't waterfowl hunt up there yeah um and but he he has given me the the confidence that he's not going to write me a ticket for yeah. duck hunting or goose hunting down on the wetland, 300 yards away. But, you know, it was very, I don't want to say strict, but but he was very black and white. That yeah. We could do it down there, but we couldn't hunt that field because we had manipulated the crop. and Yeah.
0: And, and we both know, like nobody, we have to operate on, different rules than most people we just do we're in the public um but i was like i know hundreds of landowners that have sunflower fields and hunt early season he's like yeah we don't actually enforce it it's like well, okay <laughs> <laughs> but he was even he was even what, as far as to say even if your neighbor has a sunflower field that's cut technically you can't um early season on your property I like man that's nuts
1: but, yeah, that'd be, be
0: kind of hard to uphold. It is, and he even said he's like, we don't write those tickets because they don't stick. But we, yeah, we by so we what we do is uh, by the middle of September, even though it's still dove season, we'll go ahead and rip those Work fields. Better. Yeah. So, um, but it's kind of pan for our members at the hunt club because they would like to whatever teal hunt or dove hunt until the end of the the month. But whatever, I was just kind of curious about that. Um, okay. Well, you sent me some pictures and some of this is going to be the the farming. Gosh, these are always like astounding to me because they're so big. These fields. So the first one, it looks like you got a pit in. We haven't done anything with pits. I'll put it on here. You can't see it. It's the, um, uh, looks like a huge field that was either worked or planted with a sunken pit. Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, so this is a farm where we have a uh, 60 acre wetland. We've got a uh, 15 acre pool where we can uh, plant and flood corn. Um, that's pretty well flood protected. Um, but then we've also got, you know, 10 acres of big mature pin oak timber and some shrub scrub, you know, button bush and more emergent wetland marsh kind of habitat all on the same farm. And so we're hitting several different habitat types on the same farm. And, and so this, that field, um, you know, we've got a 25 foot concealed comfort in it. Um, it's a big roomy pit, um, but I, I, I backfilled it again. It seems like every year things settle just a little bit. yeah. And it seems like if you can get dirt up over most of that pit, you can hide it better, you can conceal it better. Stuff grows on top of it and it just looks way more natural if you're able to keep that pit under the ground or keep dirt on top of it. I
0: actually didn't even see it the first time I pulled up that picture, so uh, that's a good sign.
1: Yeah.
0: So how far will the water come up on that pit, on that little knob? Will it come up to within a foot of the top of that or so? Uh, Four inches from the top. Four inches. And this has nothing to do with anything. I'm just curious. Um, what do you – I've never hunted out of those concealed comforts. I'm a Bradley Blinds guy. We've established that. But both of them um, – I guess I can go back to our – hold on. But both of them have that uh, shoot out of the top feature. The, the concealed comfort, the shooting holes are on one end, right? Uh-huh. But they're still pointing up. The Bradley Blinds are in the middle, but they're still pointing up. Uh-huh. What do, you, do you like hunting out of those for ducks?
1: Man, I I prefer a stand-up blind, a wooden blind on, a, on the edge of the woods or you yeah. know, a tree line or something you can back up to. Just because, you know, I'm 6'3", and it's tough to get comfortable yeah. for an all-day sit in a pit blind, and, and there are obviously places where you have to have them. I mean, you can't stick a stand-up blind in the middle of a cornfield. And you're just never gonna hide it, and so you know identifying the hunting strategy um, will kind of lead you in the direction. But I would, I mean, I, I spent a lot of days in a pit, and yeah. and go back to them because they're good, and go back to them because we kill ducks, and and I I don't want to sound like I'm anti-pit, but it is more comfortable for me to stand up. Yeah. I have a bad back,
0: and well, and I say that because like. So I'm actually 100% with you for maybe different reasons. Um, I agree there's areas for those pits that, like, it's your best option. And you just deal with it because you're going to be concealed and you're going to shoot more birds. But it's weird. Like So I take a lot of people hunting that are, like, clients or don't hunt a lot. And I feel like in those pits, um, the only person that can actually see what's going on is the guy that's calling. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is just, like, literally – on a knee waiting and they have no idea where the birds are. You know, it's hard to see them unless you poke your head out the top. And so, like, if you get that blind, you literally like my son, for example, he can sit on a chair in the back of the blind and just kind of look at what's going on. Like he can see the birds work. So I was just kind of curious because I was, I've talked to Chris, the dude that makes the Bradley blinds. And we're talking about hybrid that is instead of all the way sunk, like half sunk, like three feet with the um, shooting holes, like, angled. Mm-hmm. So, like, where you're at, maybe if you, if you go back and look at your picture, and I hope I get Chris mm-hmm. to make these, like if you only backfilled it a little more on one side, and the holes would be facing forward a little bit. Right. Yeah. It'd make it more challenging to, to hunt, shoot behind you, but uh, I think I might, might have them make one of those for
1: me this year and see how it goes. Well, you know, some of those places, that's all you need is a few feet in the ground and if you can get you know if you can get the angle to where you're coming out of the front of the blind and not the top of the blind it makes for easier shooting too um for sure you, you get your the sun at your back whether you know a lot of guys are like well i want the wind in my back well the sun being at your back can you know provide a lot a lot of for a lot of reasons keeping the sun out of your eyes as guys get older it's harder for them to you know determine whether it's a drake or a hen but it also helps conceal you because you're in the shadow and yeah. the sun is you know the ducks are staring straight into the sun um so i, I mean there's there's opportunity to to do a, a hybrid like that
0: yeah
1: and if just if it's sunny
0: Especially if it's a like a corn plot, because you could have stubble around you that's three or four feet tall. You know, if you can plant right up to the blind so even if you're a couple feet over the water, you can still conceal that. I'm, I don't know. We're gonna try it, but I assume that we'll be able to conceal that fairly well.
1: Uh huh.
0: But and this has nothing to do with anything. But a lot of the guys, not a lot, but some of the guys that are, have really successful clubs here, they literally have. Um, Including my neighbor, well, the neighbors, both of my properties, um, they have blinds, like you're talking about, like timber edge blinds on stilts above the waterline. They stick out like a sore thumb. And they just line them with corn. And I, they look, to me, they look awful. I mean, awful. <laughs> but they kill birds out of it. I don't know. So maybe I'm overthinking it.
1: Well, okay. Any given day, they can surprise you very. During- Yes. tremendously humbling birds
0: to
1: hunt. <laughs> you know what else I've learned? See, we're off topic, but some of these are valuable.
0: Like, I always, in general, I try to set up with my the wind in my back so they land, you know, feet up right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, the lot, my farm, both of my farms, we've cleared a bunch of trees and it is always windy, like always. So, like, if, the, if my phone says it's 15 mile per hour wind, it could be 20 with gust of 30. And when you have those strong winds, it's tough shooting, man. Mm-hmm. You you miss your first shot. and The second shot, they're like 50 yards already. Yeah. So this was the first year I did a little experimenting with the winds. Um, a guy that hunts with me, Brody, explained that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right, dude. Like it's 50 mile per hour winds. We shoot. The next shot is, you know, a prayer. And so we try to get, when it's super windy, we almost try to get crosswind a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well and sometimes you gotta double and triple your leads depending on you know, if that wind is crossing or there there have been a lot of days where I'll shoot two or three times and I'm thinking in my head, you know, how did I miss that duck? <laughs> and and <laughs> there was a there was a hunt. I was with one of my clients at at his property and we we were hunting and, and we literally had three single mallard drakes come in and there was a 20 or 25 mile an hour south wind that day and they came in and we whiffed like Ooh. we both shot it it was terrible <laughs> and then one of us finally clipped the wing of a gadwall that came in and it was on the water we we're going to shoot it on the water and the pattern literally hit three feet to the right that the wind was blowing it that far yeah and so then we doubled our leads you know when we we're when we were shooting and yeah started kind of hitting them man that's right wind, yeah those high yeah. wind days can be tough and challenging you know from a shooting perspective
0: but a lot of those are the fun like action-packed days yeah okay. okay um all right let's check out a off subject I, mean, I like that stuff um here is another oh, just giant field God, I want to plant some of these or flood some of these. This one is um, actually looks like it's kind of sloped uphill. Got some trees at the very end. It looks like you just planted it, actually. Uh, it could be a sunflower field. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you might be right. Shotgun shells on there on the ground. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't see it. We'll move on if it's a sunflower field. We did get our sunflower field as well. Um. Got a little footage on a tractor going there. Um, While we're off Waterfowl, I'm going to put your turkey picture up. Let's hear that story.
1: Yeah, so I went out. I I took my oldest daughter, Georgia, that's in that picture, um, on opening day uh, to a farm that I've been hunting on for five or six years. And Anyway, we, we got in there, and there's been eight or nine gobblers on this 200 acres. We got in there and didn't hear a single gobble that morning. Wow. And so, anyway, I stayed off the farm for a few days, went back in and called in five one morning. And of course, she wasn't with me and, you know, ran in there and shot one at 6 25 or something. And, you know, it was a perfect hunt. It uh, the ones that you wanted to have a kid on. And, yes. You know. But, uh, Anyway, the girls get pretty wound up whenever I come home with turkey, and all they all, all they want to talk about is eating turkey nuggets. After that, <laughs> <laughs> they get pretty excited about it.
0: Uh, that's the fun stuff, man. My son's just starting starting to get excited about. He likes upland and waterfowl at the moment, but yeah, how old is he? He's seven. Yeah. So he's been going for like I think I took him when he was four, but I wouldn't let him like go with anyone. It was just me and him. And, Mm-hmm. He didn't really shoot much That's kind of took him out there. five he got a little more into it six so last year he like he was asking to go you know he was asking to invite people it was it was cool <laughs> um okay, let's go through what's this picture it looks like you did some uh modifications up on like, like a creek bank.
1: Oh, I'm trying to think what' all I sent you um so this one.
0: Yeah, look really looks like you like shaped a creek. Pull it up here. Shaped a creek shaped a creek. Got some like dozer tracks and flat like a oh yeah.
1: A trail alongside of it. So that's one of the green tree reservoir projects we're working on. And okay. So we're hipping up a levee, we're borrowing dirt and and putting it up so that as it rains, we can still haul dirt in. That that's only gonna give us about seventy percent of our levee. We're going to have to put, we're going to have to haul in dirt with a tractor and scraper. Uh, But we're getting, you know, 70% of it from, uh, from the track hoe and getting dirt kind of hipped up. So it'll help dry out. It's that, that's a really wet spot back in the timber and it's not going to dry very good, but we're, we're killing two birds with one stone. We're getting a levee, the start of a levee. And we're also providing some drainage. And so getting water off that timber is going to help it. Um, but we've got three miles of levee to build in that timber. So, yeah. uh, we got an early start on it and we're, we're rocking and rolling in there.
0: So you're just going to flood that timber or do you have any like food plot holes back in there?
1: No, man. It's all pin oak and pecan timber. Um, that is
0: just so remote to me. I can't wait. I, like, I don't care if I'm invited or not. I'm coming down to hunt. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are killing birds in that timber. Show up.
1: Oh, it's gonna be pretty, man. <laughs> well,
0: so where do you even hunt? Like, do you hunt along those open banks, or do you have like holes in the timber?
1: Well, we'll have holes cut out in the timber, um, and it, in those holes, we'll we'll, we'll go in and, and borrow some dirt out of those areas and try to get ice cedar depth water. Um, and there's also going to be some spots where we're not going to really put in a hole. We're just going to thin the timber. Yeah, basically do TSI work and do some cop, uh, crop tree release and just leave the pin oaks and pecans and be able to it'll be thin enough the canopy will be thin enough that you know you have a pretty good visibility with birds
0: <laughs> we have we have um, one of my wetlands has like seven trees in it and we call it the timber hole <laughs> 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 all right what else do we have here um, you did some burning it looks like
1: yeah yeah just last week um part of that for where we're trying to increase the warm season grass stand and or improve it uh some of that's for turkey hunting
0: yeah
1: and deer hunting i
0: mean that stuff is uh rejuvenates quite a bit mm-hmm. luckily i try not to get involved into too much of the burning i've got a bad history of burning
1: you either like it or you don't
0: (laughs) I don't Um, here's a clip I just found that I had uploaded um, and this is what you were saying on the so we've had the same we've had uh, like it's been mostly good weather through April but we've got like one rain and it'll be enough to keep like big equipment off for a couple days Um, so we were like like I say you scramble so we were fertilizing see if I can even pull it up fertilizing literally with just like our gator and a little broadcaster right on front uh-huh um oh well uh, can't pull up the video but that was uh literally i ran out of the light that night trying to fertilize that wasn't even a big field, 12 acres or something all together um, then you have to buy a bunch of bag fertilizer. You can't get a buggy on there. I think I had, uh, I don't know what went through, 24 bags or something on that one. Wow. But whatever. Like you say, you got to get ahead of it because if you don't, somebody else will.
1: Yeah. Well, the wind's been blowing quite a bit. It has. That's that really has helped. helped things dry out. That has helped. We had oh. a pretty good, pretty good wind today. We got a three quarters of an inch of rain or something. Yesterday, and I'd say by tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be back in the field planting. Yeah. Are you done with all your corn? We still have some to go there? No, I've probably got 400
0: acres left. Okay. See, we don't, you have bigger fields, but we're probably somewhere in the 80, I don't know, 80, 200, but we have it all planted. But we caught one big rain, and it probably, I don't know, I bet 10% of that's underwater. So we'll probably have to go back and replant some of it but uh Mm -hmm. we're done with we're done with corn and we have everything else just on standby like we're we're probably waiting now until late may early june to start planting sorghum you know Mm -hmm. buckwheat that sort of stuff so we're kind of like on a holding pattern designing wetlands working with clients um and oddly enough like i don't know if you've done that a a lot of property is moving these last two or three weeks is it happening down there
1: Okay. Man, it, it's been pretty quiet. Has it? They Pretty well had to shut down. I mean, they they've opened things back up in the state this week, but um, it, a lot of a lot of our buyers coming to Sheridan County are coming from out of state. Yeah, and so it's been tough for people to get here, um, with some you know some of the restrictions on travel and stuff. But yeah. I I have not seen. An uptick, yeah, really. No, all right, <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> it's all right,
0: I've been busy farming. <laughs> no, we've uh, and that's Pudic. I always talk to him, I'm like, let's do this. He's like, dude, and he plants thousands of acres, you know, production stuff. He's like, call me in like four weeks, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, we've I mean, in the last we closed on a 120, we got a 196 under contract. We're about to, I think, we're gonna sell it maybe a 200. And this is all in like the last 10 days and we're still under lockdown. I mean, technically. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm essential or not, but I'm still showing properties. Yeah. the boy. Yeah. Um. So what else are you, once you get the corn in,
1: what else do you have on hand to plant? Man. So we'll go back and we'll plant Milo after the corn. Um, I'm going to plant a bunch of millet this year. When um, you get in your Milo? You're talking like late May. Yeah, yeah. yeah try to get through, and there's going to be some corn. We're, we're going to be staggered a little bit because some of the properties we we haven't even started taking water off of yet that we're going to plant some corn. Um, so it's kind of that June 1st target planting date. Woo. and you're going to you're a, it pretty close. <laughs> well, go, going to a 95 day corn. Yeah. Um, and you know these are properties like that that's that's where the water level management plan comes in like farms that you can get water on quick your flexibility and your planting dates are a lot more you know a lot broader yeah um, you you get some properties that are hard to pump or hard to get water to and you know your window is really small um but thankfully we've got a pretty good water source on a lot of these farms and so it you know, allows us to kind of get out of the flood season. Um, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, you're, so you're <laughs> saying, hold on, let
0: me clarify that because you're saying getting water to it fast. But that's later in the year. Does, does that also mean you can get water off of it fast? Like if uh, they're in water now, so, I, mean, it, I mean, you're pretty confident that you can get the water off and dry up in a month.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, that's where we get to that 10-day window. You know, we start getting heat at the the end of May and early June, and we miss a couple of rains, and, you know, it starts slowing down the rain a little bit, and, man, things can dry out in a hurry. And usually in June, that's whenever I'm no-tilling. Like, we'll we'll go in, we'll no-till and spray it and kill everything that was there. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you take, let's let's say, a 10-acre pool, and you've got three acres of some nasty, you know, aquatic vegetation that you want to get rid of or spike grass or rush or reeds canary grass or something like that, I'll literally drive around that wetland and plant corn every every place I see something I don't like. Yeah, And go back in and, and you know, burn it down. And, yeah. you know, corn will shoot up through it. And, and you can get away with a lot, you know, with these no-till planters. Um, For sure. We take advantage of them a lot. Yeah. But but that time of the year you, you know you're a little more likely to to dry out and so no tilling into stuff that has some weed cover you know is going to help retain that moisture and uh-huh. going into june uh, a lot of the times will no-till um, yes. which, which is different than what we're doing right now you know working ground and and you know going through the whole bit but um, the
0: customer likes to see the ground worked and turned over it looks
1: pretty yeah <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look quite as pretty when it's coming up through a bunch of bulrush, you know? <laughs> it
0: doesn't. But it comes up, like you said. It works. Um, you know what we're going to try this year? I think we talked about it a little bit. I sent you that link. Did you look at the link on that rice from Hancock Seed?
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: we've only really tried rice a few times, but it was like the old school wild rice, and it was incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, incredibly. I think it was uh, not even been like – and this was back in two thousand ten or something it was like a thousand dollars an acre wow um, yeah it was nuts but it was supposed to come back every year you know so we're like whatever let's give it a shot and that was in knox county which is not a waterfall county and we had piles of birds in this wetland i'm talking piles so we're giving it a shot this year because um, there's a cheaper seed we came across so we got enough to do like 10 acres um and it's a real weird like process you can plant it up to six inches of water because we have a lot of stuff that like either we inherited and it wasn't maybe built correctly or can't shed all the water and what
1: my daughter's not out of bed oh boy gee go to bed honey do we need to take a pause or we'll see no we're okay. good okay
0: <laughs> um, but literally you soak it like, for 24 hours and put it in, like, a burlap bag and it, like, starts to germinate. Then you can just hand-broadcast it up to six inches. And we're going to give it a shot. About 350 pounds of it. So, sort of excited to see what that does. Because I don't know if you're like me, but, like, I try to, like, maximize every inch. So, like, if I can plant corn the first 400 yards and then it dries the next 30 yards, then I go in and plant sorghum and then it's a So, I'm always looking, like, push that a little bit. So I'm hoping with rice that can get me like all the way up to like, you know, six inch water depth.
1: Yeah. Well, but, so I, I haven't messed with rice hardly at all. Um,
0: but down I, South, down South, they kill a ton of birds over it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to live vicariously through you. Yeah. Your rice project. And- I'll, <laughs> I'll
0: live through your sorghum and you can live through my rice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Okay, well, what did we miss anything you- uh man there are a couple of pictures in there um it just looks like a, a you know a grassy field it's yeah. a, we did it's some cool. early drawdowns and we saw tremendous uh with with the weather that we had um you know some nice 80 degree days um you know lots of days in the mid 70s we got a lot of wild millet to pop yeah and so we've got you know hundreds and hundreds of acres of really strong moist soil through an early drawdown which we don't always get
0: is uh, that was that good or bad for it to be sprouting this early
1: uh it is great it yeah is great yeah um you know a lot of that seed will disappear and it just sits on the ground until we start putting water on it yeah. So, Um, Every time
0: I plant mullet too early, I get invaded by blackbirds, and it drives me nuts.
1: Yeah. Well, man, just remember that they knock 70% of that stuff on the ground.
0: Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So blackbirds are
0: helping me out. That might, yeah, that might help my rage. But the, uh, she's still up, isn't she? Georgia. Go to bed, honey. (laughs) She want to make her first appearance on the podcast? Come over here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. can you say hi to mr. john how
0: you doing did you see that turkey that he shot was that cool well do you like to duck hunt we're talking some serious duck hunting strategy you
1: know all about duck hunting strategies huh what's your favorite kind of duck mallard mallard
0: Pinting.
1: you like pintails too Oh, I love pintails. Good is daddy. Good, man. Say bye to John.
0: We don't actually get to shoot a bunch of pintails here. Uh-huh. There. Okay. Go talk
1: to mommy. I
0: okay. <laughs> Actually, I spent the extra money on the, uh, I think I sent you that link as well. Go talk to mom. We'll see how she obeys.
1: Oh, it's <laughs> not very good right now. Get out of the shot color.
0: <laughs> well, uh, actually, so I actually spent the extra money on that. Did you see the link I sent you about the uh, blackbird-proof sorghum? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm like, wow, 70% of it's going to be on the ground.
1: Yeah. So, my so blackbirds, they, they won't start hitting the, the millet until – it's literally will shatter when they land on it, and so you'll see them. You know, flog in there, and especially jap millet will go from blackheads to white. Yeah, you know, in the matter of a few days. Well, that's because blackbirds come in there. They didn't eat all that stuff. They're knocking the most of it on the ground. But they eat a lot of
0: it because they's they come in like packs of millions. It seems like. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay what else um making sure i got through all your pictures here i did get my uh canvas back mount back you can't see it but i'll put a picture up of it man we don't see we don't shoot a bunch of canvas backs we don't shoot a bunch of uh pintails so like they are trophies to us here
1: yeah yeah man um i think i saw one pair of canvas back last year
0: it's such a good looking bird oh yeah. i played me it was just my buddy that shot it at my farm I also just dropped off my uh, teal with a GPS tracker last week to get that mounted.
1: Killed a teal with a GPS tracker?
0: Yeah. So, uh, again, another, like, it's actually a guest at my farm, and I just showed up. I'm like, how would you guys do? And they're like, we had a blast. We shot whatever. I don't know if they had a limit. They're like, we also shot this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he even knew how cool it was. I was like, "Yeah." you shot a GPS tracker on a teal? It's like I think, so
1: green wing teal.
0: Yeah, so we called it in. Uh-huh. Um, it was early season, and it wasn't it was a real like botchy looking thing. I should have, sure have a picture of it somewhere. And we called the number on it. We weren't even sure it was like DNR, uh-huh. and like you know, you know how hard it is to get a call back from DNR. He called us in ninety seconds. Really? Yeah. It was like, hey, I might screw this up, but it was a pilot. Um, program they they banded 10 of them up in like canada and 10 of them down in like louisiana and we shot we were the first people to shoot one it's really? crazy he like knew it he was tracking it he was like oh you must have shot the one that was in chicago last night we're like i don't know
1: really yeah man that's cool so so have you been able to get any data back to see where that bird had stopped or anything so
0: he said he wouldn't give us the data um he made it, path or anything cool. I mean. He made it seem like the data was so, like, um, routine that if the public had it, they could track them or, like, you know, kill more. And I'm like, yeah, oh, whatever. But uh, he did try to get the uh, tracker back. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to mount it. Can you send me, like, a replica? He's like, yeah, send it back, and I'll send you a replica. And I was just like, well, why don't – you send me the reference. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll send you that back. And I haven't heard from him since. Oh,
1: man. He said they were
0: 1200 bucks each. Plus, like, a $20 a month of Verizon account. Because they tracked them along the way with, like, the weather and everything. And I haven't heard from him since. Yeah, you because know, the duck hasn't gone anywhere. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll show you how it's done. Because that'll be a cool amount. Um missing everything we're about 40 minutes long try not to go too long on these things
1: yeah um, the only thing I was gonna add was with those moist soil drawdowns you, you know we're getting some pretty good uh, you know millet response and and right now I'm looking for problem areas like when we go out when, when we go out and scout some of these wetlands that we've already drawn down and we're starting to see the first little plants come up early identification of of under undesirable species is yeah. the key and so you know if we you know we start seeing a lot of spike rush and Reeds canary grass or, or river bull rush or something coming up it's going to be you know level three on the radar trying to trying to make sure that we get something done with that before it has a chance to really get a foothold whether that's you know a chemical application for something that's really wet or or yeah. getting a disc on it um Rotational disking and you know, for moist soil management is very, very helpful. Um, probably the single most important tool a wetland manager can have when you're managing for for moist soil is a disc. Um, you know, that occasional or you know, say, you know, three year rotation of soil disturbance can keep you in a pretty good rhythm, yeah, of maintaining the you know, the more desirable. You know, we get annually both Pennsylvania Smart Weed and Wild Knot. There are some clubs on, like, the Illinois River that do
0: that stuff. But um, I'd like to, like, after listening to you, I'd like to try that stuff somewhere that is not super common because here it's just, it's corn. It's corn, and if you can't get it in corn, it's mill and buckwheat. And that is like 99% of it. There's one club that does really well that's all natural. Um, mm-hmm. Rice ponds here in Peoria, everyone knows about them. But it's a 1,000 acres, and it's a well-managed club. Everyone I say everyone else. It's Maybe not that, but the other clubs that you hear of that do good, they're discing that under, planting corn, keeping water out. Mm-hmm. That is it. Yeah. But – I'd be curious to see if some of that stuff would work in areas that are off, you know, the river five miles or whatever it is, where we do still kill a bunch of ducks. Um, I, don't know. I don't know how much that would work here. Or not. It'd be cool to try it.
1: Well, you think about it, and diversity is king. And so a duck doesn't want a high-carbohydrate, you know, hot food. Yeah, for sure. And on a 60-degree 60 sixty-degree day and you know, the end of October, you know, beginning of November, um, you know, even the 40 degree sunshiny days, they don't need that high carb, high, uh, you know, hot food. Yeah. And they're going to be focusing more on moist soil plants, you know, earlier in the season. So, I mean, if a duck is in your corn in late October when it's 50 degrees, it's not because he's eating corn. He's, right. you know, likely feeding on uh some of the weed seed that is there or they're just because of the structure that it provides
0: structure roost in there yeah Yeah. Hmm. we do have some good wood duck hunts in the corn early it's just because i think they like the structure i'm not sure they're eating anything there but man they seem to love it there yeah and my timber hole with six trees (laughs) (laughs) we do really well there (laughs) okay um Sure, sure, I'm missing something, but we're still rocking and rolling, planting, spraying, fertilizing. Um, That is one thing that um, I think separates like professionals that do this and like hobbyists that have their own farm to do it themselves and they're jealous of like how well someone else's stand looks like. We spend a pile of money on fertilizer, a pile. And, you know, it makes a huge difference. Like we ca- literally cannot, we cannot explain to our clients how, ma- how much, like we, per- we plant our wetlands corn, like production corn. We just do it. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: that's what our clients want to see. And but we go to other areas that they, you know, a client did it himself and it looks like garbage ah. and they want us to do it. And typically one of the only reasons is like, well, how much fertilizer to put on? Usually the answer is none. Mm, like okay. usually zero. But so we are, uh right in the middle of fertilizer and working that under right now but just wanted to say that because for the clients that try to manage their own farm like you can get away with no fertilizer on some stuff what like millet you can get okay some buckwheat yeah
1: yeah well uh, so are you running anhydrous or are you doing all
0: dry Um, if, if we can get it in, um, we'll do both. We like to do two applications. We'll like put on a a liquid later when we spray it. Um, but like now
1: if we can work it under, we'll hit it with a granular and work that in. So what are you doing on, you know, your wetland corn? I mean, what's your, yeah. 250, 50 or.
0: No, we're, so we're going like, depends what we, soil test we run, but like we're putting on a couple hundred pounds of nitrogen if it needs it you know? Yeah. And usually it's written a buggy and it's not that hard work, but like we had to do this month when we had a weird range, it's like, well, if you go out there and broadcast it in literally a 50 pound bag. So I'm dumping four bags in my little 50 pound cedar <laughs> for every acre. Yeah. But like I said, you got to get ahead of it because if you miss that, we have, we have to work it the next day and plant the next day. So it's like, you just, mm-hmm. you just do it. But, um, I just say that because a lot of people try to do it themselves. Like, if it's corn just spend a little bit of money and put it on um, because you can get ears, especially the of stuff that we do that strip mine soil. It's not that like most of the wetlands you'll find are wetlands because they were like, you know, poorly drained areas or poor soils to begin with. So that just kind of like complicates the, the problem, like not putting a bunch of fertilizer on strip mine soil. Like we've done it but when we run out of time or we, we don't have any options. It's like, your ears are literally like a foot off the ground and they're like eight inches. And it just doesn't work. So, anyways, that's my ten cents for people who are trying to do it themselves, which is totally cool. Um did I get to all your pictures? I think I did.
1: One of the last ones I sent you, uh I think last time you were asking me about that rotary ditcher. Oh
0: yeah. Maybe yeah,
1: kind I can. I sent you a picture of it. Today. Yes, I see it. Um I'm hoping it's dry enough we can run that tomorrow afternoon. But um, explain.
0: explain that.
1: So that that ditcher will cut like a half moon ditch and let's say eight to you know fifteen inches. And we use that in the bottom of the wetlands and the lower areas to try to get you know those little pools that you know areas that you're prone to losing corn or yeah or losing production because it's too wet we can, Just help, can help dry help out. out a lot, yeah, Create can, like
0: a little tiny trench almost,
1: yeah, yeah, it's something you can still drive across, but yeah that's cool. I don't never use that, yeah you don't want to hit going nine miles an hour with a scraper on the back or anything, but <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, we covered it, man. I'm sure we missed something, but we'll try to catch up again next month. Okay. So, next month will be what? More planting, finishing up that. Hope to be, uh, well, I, w- I won't say that. You won't be fully planted by May either, will we? But we'll at least have a plan for the rest of it, hopefully. Yeah. And be within, uh, you know, within a few weeks of being done. Yeah. So, okay. Well, cool. Um, about a month from now, we'll do it again.
1: Sounds great,
0: man. All right, man. Well, you guys, thanks for listening or watching or, or however you're listening to this. And uh, we will be back at it in a month from now, covering May in the series year-round Qualify.